So let's get started. Yes, let, let's do it. Uh, so for those who don't know, this week, uh, today, in fact, is meant to be the first day of Art of Retreat. Um, The European retreat uh, would be in its second year this year and about 100 people from all over the world would be descending on Scotland to travel to a small island off the west coast to sit down and talk about all things parkour. So whether or not that's uh, coaching or leadership or business, we'd all sit down and it would be this amazing thing where we could get together and really learn things. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, we couldn't have that. So instead, I decided to spend this couple of weeks um, just getting people that I find interesting on Zoom and talking to them about what interests me and what interests them. And the idea being that you could all watch and ask questions. And so I wanted to talk to my friend, Sasha, um, who was actually one of the first to agree to sponsor the event and was sponsoring it for the second time. And uh, we were super excited to bring him along. We were working really hard to bring uh, a really cool product um, to the retreat. And now we can't do that. But let me tell you a little bit about Sasha. He is the founder of the world famous Got Cheap Sticks brand, a handmade brand from Serbia. He's been dri- a driving force of parkour and art de déplacement development in the Balkan region since 2005 and has dedicated his life to inspire, teach and share the true spirit of training and movement, encouraging the sense of togetherness in the wider parkour community. In 2008, he began working under the name Scott Cheap Sticks and the clothing brand followed in 2011. He simply couldn't find the clothes that met his needs. So, in true parkour fashion, he began making his own. Sasha has travelled all over the world teaching parkour, spending time in the US, Australia, Denmark, and I'm sure many other places that he'll tell us all about today. Sasha, welcome to my tiny podcast. So, let's start, Sasha, because I'm not sure how much our audience will know about your past, but you grew up in a literal war zone. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your early life and how it shaped you? Uh, yes, I mean, if we talk about Balkans, of course there was war, you know, if, if you say Balkans, you cannot imagine somebody connecting that with war, uh, unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> so uh, usually there is, you're lucky if you've been only in one war, you know, as a, as a generation, usually average is at least two. Um, it's not, it's not a good thing, of course, but uh, yeah, my family and I happened to be in the middle of uh, middle of the war, uh, and I was uh, only six at the time. So actually, war started in 91, uh, and just to give a little bit closure what actually happened and why the war happened, it's, it's the Balkans, it's uh, ex-Yugoslavia, and it's a war between Croats and Serbs, or Serbs and Croats, depends how do you want to say it or whatever. And uh, it was civil war. We are actually, our, our big country was falling apart. Uh, and at the time I was three, four years old. So didn't really have knowledge about what's happening. Uh, but the important thing is that uh, war lasts for five years. And in that, in that period, sometime, uh, somehow, uh, my family lost everything, literally everything, the house, the, we had a house uh, on the farm, uh, very close to the coast, and uh, my family was doing farming and a lot of other things. So we had uh, crops and veggies and fruits and like a bunch of stuff, like uh, one uh, Yugoslavian way of uh, life on the farm. And it was beautiful. They had amazing life, uh, 
for previous generations and my family lived there for how uh, as much I know as like five or six or even seven hundred years. It's hard to track because of all the wars. <laughs> so the, the war happened at last for, as I said, from 1991 to 1995. And in that period, we were forced to move away. Uh, nowhere particularly, just like we were uh, pushed to move. So we, we had to go and find another place to live, another home. And at that time, yes, I was only six when that happened, when in 95. And I just uh, finished my first year of elementary school there in, in the middle of the war zone. And uh, my family, because, so I don't want to give uh, Serbians, Croatians, but my family, because, because it was Orthodox and Serbian, was moved away from Croatian uh, territory, and we were forced to to move out. So just to have perspective. So to, to, to kind of explain that to everyone. So you are a, a, Ser a Croatian Serbian. You are from Croatia, but you are um, Serbian by religion-ish. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, during Yugoslavia, the religion was not really famous or uh, you could be religion, of course, but in your own rule or, or home, but the religion was nothing that was popped out. So by or origins, my family was Orthodox uh, and we were Serbs and we were pushed out as uh, every other Serb living in the, in the Croatia at the time. But so that happened. Uh, a lot of people moved out, uh, everybody lost everything, the, the, the farming business, the, the house, the land, uh, and, and literally everything. Uh, so we moved to uh, today Serbia and uh, my family starts their own life over there. Uh, so what I want to say about this is that that, that kind of ch uh, childhood or, or growing up, it's pretty intense because you grow up in the period when you kind of can do a lot of things where you need to go to school, you need to do some sports, you need to uh, learn a lot of other things. And literally that war ended, uh, ended 95. And then in 99, their second war started again uh, in Serbia where, we, where, we, where I uh, was growing up and uh, going to the school. And that time, I don't know how much uh, people know about that, but 99 happened something terrible. Uh, NATO, America and NATO bombed Serbia pretty, pretty heavily and destroyed a lot of things, uh, killed a lot of people, civilians, and uh, bombed all the bridges, uh, a lot of uh, hospitals, uh, media televisions, a lot of, a lot of things. Just uh, excuse was Kosovo and uh, they wanted to bring peace over there, but somehow they just bring more mess to everything. So it's in this time, I think something we, there, there's not, not almost anything that we could do actually about it. And that, that was the, already the second world award in, in 10 year period. Um, so uh, yeah, I never trained any, any sport officially. I never trained uh, football or basketball or like uh, as usually kids do when they grow up and when they go to school and, uh, usually they, they start doing guards or anything. So I, at that point, my family lost everything. They didn't have any money. They didn't have house. Uh, we, we were completely out of uh, comfort zone and out of our uh, territory. There's a, a great word that's called destitute. Yeah. We were destitute. Uh, yeah, 
exactly. I'm not uh, that great with a lot of words in English. No worries. <laughs> so when, from there, when did you discover parkour? Because it can't have been that much longer. I will, I will come to that. So in okay. uh, because, because of uh, that element at that stage that we couldn't afford anything and my family was working two or three jobs just to earn basic uh, food uh, shelter and then after build a uh, home in serbia uh, parkour somehow came naturally uh, i was a little bit black sheep in the school and then uh, just running away sometimes from other kids because i uh, to them i spoke another language even if the serbian and croatians are pretty similar I just uh, seemed like a stranger between those people in Serbia and a lot of people want to fight me. So I was running away a lot of, uh, on the way home, I was jumping over and climbing trees and stuff like that. Uh, anyway, the thing is that I always, as a kid, it was pretty wild, like to climb and jump over things. And since my family couldn't give me any sports to practice in, in terms that I will go and do it, I saw during my uh, high school, I got a CD for a friend uh, in the middle of the class. Like he gave me this and like, oh, you need to watch this. I, I'm sure you're gonna like it. So literally I had one class after that and I ran home on the break, copy that from the CD on my computer and run back to school, give him the CD back. I attended the last class. And then when I came back home, I watched that CD and I was I was blown away. Like, okay, so I saw some guys jumping over the fences. And what was it? Was it Yamakazi or? No, no, no. it was some uh, UK uh, video. It was uh, called Training Day One, and uh, I couldn't find it after on the internet, but uh, it was from Chase Armitage and some other guys from 2005. A video is probably a little bit earlier, so I, I can say also that oh, everything happened before youtube so this yeah. is the, you this is the way you get the cd you copy stuff and when i saw that i was like completely falling in love and i wanted to do it i i saw that and said okay i i wanted to do this there's and, this lovely thing um that sometimes people ask like where are the videos from before 2005 where are the 2005 and four videos and we kind of have to explain that youtube wasn't a thing yeah i mean it came really fast after but it's yeah but it's it's a it's a good it's a it's a fact it's a nice fact and just to uh, wrap that up i think that be because of that past that i have and not opportunity to do any sports actually somehow parkour choose me or art art du diplomat choose me and i would just say guys whoever is watching this i think if you have everything what you have, just don't take it for granted because you can lose it literally in one day. You you never know what happens, what's gonna happen. Like this thing is happening right now. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about the Serbian and parkour communities because that's sort of an interesting story. Um, obviously those two countries were at war uh, and even afterwards, there's a long history of both countries disliking each other intensely um but the parkour communities are incredibly close they train together a lot they travel between countries a lot to train with each other um why do you think that's happened and how do you feel about it specifically because you obviously have connections to both of those countries yeah uh 
uh, I will first uh, uh, give you answer for why that happened. I think because we first speak all the same language and it was need to share between. Uh, but before that, of course, it should, should happen parkour in the both countries to, for that to happen. So uh, I was in Serbia at the time, 2005, when I discovered parkour. But the funny thing is, uh, when I was Googling, I first found it, found it in Croatia. So I first attended the Croatian uh, forum. It was forum at the time in Serbia and Croatia. I, I found the first uh, forum in Croatia and I created some connections with some guys around in Croatia because of, again, same language, we could type and exchange words and, uh, and, and, and stuff about, uh, about the new discipline. And then uh, after that, maybe months or, or two months, uh, I, yeah, at that time I got internet before, just a couple months before that or a year before I didn't have internet. Uh, and then uh, I discovered also parkour uh, Serbia. Uh, Boki was behind it and Boki created the first forum is the guy who started the first in 2003. So it was already some community uh, work is happening. And uh, yes, when I found those guys, I wanted to train with them. But the funny thing, the first happened a lot of solo training. So I was uh, in Kula, north of Serbia, and I was only guy there. So I was training for almost two years completely alone. And then it was, um, most likely for our guys also like to have maybe another friend in the city, but Kula, Novi Sad, Belgrade, Zagreb in Croatia, Zadar, Split. There was only a few guys training and in order to parkour to grow and the discipline to grow, we needed to share the information. You know, you do something and then you show your friend, uh, you send a video or, or you, the picture or whatever. It was really slow connection and you can do a lot on internet, but, uh, that, that first was uh, why. It's just need to share, to, to hear some opinion, to show, to exchange. And then, uh, yeah, forum, as I mentioned, it's something that happened uh, thanks to, to guys who was following other uh, forums uh, abroad. So there was, uh, Boki was connected with uh, the first uh, parkour forum and he got the idea to do it in Serbia. So people gather and then we share there and we, and we learn. But I think um, between Serbia and Croatia, it's strange, yeah, of course, because it was the war. But the funny thing is, I mean, funny thing, the thing is that happened to not our generation. So we all were kids when the war happened. And it's something that we kind of uh, could go over that a little bit easier than, than our parents. So we had, um, I got idea. Uh, there were some people and some connections before traveling a little bit and meeting each other, but I got idea since I'm born in Croatia and lived there and I, I felt that there is still there a piece of my home. And I, I, I found some friends in Croatian community. There is Mirko and some other guys at the time. And my idea was to, okay, we speak all the same language and I wanted to gather those people and try to see how it's going to be if we train all together in person. I mean, it's one thing when you do it stuff on the internet and another thing when you do it completely uh, close to each other physically and it's, it's just something that the internet can do still. So 2000... Where was the first Serbian-Croatian jam? It, 
one of the most important one i will say in osiak in 2009 it's close to the croatian serbian border it's in croatia but it's very close to the serbian border so i remember just uh, taking the car and uh, three or four of uh, my friends and we just drove there let's say let's go and and train with those guys so that was one of the first and really uh, good connection and uh, it was a lot of joking straight away and it was like ice breaking yeah and then after that jam uh second probably the most important thing that happened in 2011 is that when i got the idea to try to call everybody from slovenia bosnia croatia macedonia uh to come uh, for a camp and train for a weekend i really didn't expect that uh, all these countries or all these people uh, training from these countries will show up but that happened so 2011 scorchy jam that's kind of the takeoff for the this uh, community and for the connection is the three days long uh, a camp in the novi sad in serbia that literally everybody arrived serbs croats uh, slovenians uh, bosnians and it was just wonderful we had amazing time we shared a lot we had a lot of fun we did uh, uh, a little bit of workshops a lot of free training and a lot of late night discussions and just uh, amazing experience so that was the the boom and then after that uh, the connection was just much easier people will start traveling more uh, events whenever some event happened in croatia or serbia people will try to to come again language is the big benefit because they can come and they will not feel i guess as strange if they go to italy or france or, or england and also the budget is also the very important thing because these countries are pretty poor and then you cannot really go from serbia to uk on the gen it's just like it's not, expensive and you need visa and and it's not yeah. just expensive it's sometimes it's just more obstacles than the money so it was natural to, to create this uh, connection and luckily uh, it happened and it grew and it's really nice and i think it's as andy days says a lot he all a lot of times talks and speaks about these two communities as the one of the most important in the world uh, i don't feel as much as that because i'm part of those two communities but i will say it's pretty uh, proving that parkour add uh, this kind of discipline can bring people together and more than that we we do mm. a lot more things we do a different projects. we come uh, for easter so because croats and serbs have different date easter orthodox and, uh, and catholic so sometimes happened the easter parkour jam in serbia croats will come and serbs will go on the creation run and stuff like that so it's it's pretty amazing I'm pretty happy how everything turns and and yeah, of course, it can grow more. Looking forward to break more ice. Yeah, I remember it was 2000, it was six, 2016 I came to the National Creation Jam and there were people from all over the Balkans there and it was, it was huge and it was fun and it was pleasant and it was a great place to be. And it was just, I think when Andy talks about um, it as being the most important parkour community in the world, I think what he is talking about is um showing what showing what a movement discipline can do because it can inspire and we talked about this quite a lot we it can inspire values it can make you think of a way of living and a way of being 
and it can actually alter the human behavior. So he's talking about this amazing fact that two communities that should fundamentally hate each other literally love each other. And that change is something which is really important and shows the difference between what we do and other sports. And it's really interesting that because you guys you guys sit as the fundamental example of that really cool idea. Um, so maybe that's why Andy can't stop talking about it. Yeah, and um, he also spends a lot of time in this area. So he does think it's very pretty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, architecture here, it's blow mining. Uh, just for a second, we can talk about it because uh, uh, Yugoslavia at the time had amazing uh, way of building things. Uh, everything lasts a lot. Uh, it's a lot of concrete. And uh, mm. the parts, for example, they are built four years ago, 30 years ago, are still more uh, more powerful uh, and, and stable than the new ones that they are building now. It's just that it's crazy. Also, the space organizing and stuff uh, like that. That's all, like that's why we have amazing big spots. Like you can train mm. with 30, 40 people and have jam without nobody saying anything because this it's place is built for gatherings and play, draw, have fun outside people scream kids scream play football uh, and do stuff i don't know a lot of our parks actually are built of concrete and that's our, actually why andy likes to come here because i think it's nice there's also there's also any especially zadar like um we often make fun uh, in scotland of uh the us for only being 300 years old and we point to our 1200 year old castles and then of course you walk into zadar which is what three thousand years old, and you just have you just have this sort of like shift in perspective and understanding of what it is for for humans to have lived there for so long or to have created there for so long. It is an amazing place. Um, but let's talk a little bit now, because what's really interesting with that story and what kind of how I want to take this interview is with that background of like being forced to move and being all over the place and being from more than one place, you've gone on to travel a lot. You, um, what motivates you to do that? Because it's not only just holidays, you've lived in Australia, you've lived in the US. What motivated you to do that? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's never, well, almost never. I, I, I had a recently talked with somebody about the holiday. I, I, I said before, I never experienced a holiday because for me, whenever I go, I always connect all those things. Uh, it's work and holiday and joy and play. I mean, it, it, it's how it should be, I think. It's not that you want to work all year to have a few weeks off and then do something fun when you can do it maybe all year around. I think it's uh, what brings me around. It's curiosity, you know. It's like uh, the beauty of the world. It's meeting new, new everything, new people, new places, uh, different habits, cultures, languages, animals, kangaroos, man. It's, it's only <laughs> I mean, uh, it's uh, life is in motion. It should be in motion. And when you once uh, lose your home, it's just easier to detach from it. You know, when when you are when you have home and you stay, have everything stable, it's it's hard to maybe move on and go somewhere else and explore. But when you lose it, then it's easier to step to another place and just discover something new. And everything can feel like a home. Like, for example, when I slept at your floor in, in Scotland, in, in that apartment where you are now. I mean, that at that time was uh, home for me. Then I was couch, Marcello's couch in Italy, man. Like, come on, I'm, how many people slept there and then 
the Blake's uh, uh, old bedroom in his parents' house. And um, Milan, Italy, Laron. Uh, I mean, all these places are somehow became my home because exactly I lost one, but I gained many because it's just it's different feeling. It's something it is beautiful, and there is nothing that motivation. There is no there is no motivation to stay at one place. You know, there is not enough motivation to stay at one place. I think we should move and we should have life in motion. It's really interesting that idea because how it comes around and how you come across to people is you form very strong bonds with people and people form very strong bonds with you and so you have this friendship network that spans the world um was that something that you ever chose was it ever done on purpose did you ever think about it or is it just like you honestly like wherever you go this is my home this is my friend you are now my friend because it's your hair <laughs> of course it's your hair no, I mean, I, I really wouldn't know how to purposely uh, pursue for friend, friends. I mean, how? Is there a, a recipe or something? Oh, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's also something that came naturally, as I said, as a moving. It's, uh, if, it, it's, there is a saying in our language, uh, uh, that means if you ask for uh, something, you will not spend a lot of uh, miles walking around like a crazy person. It's just, you know, if you need something, you should ask for it and uh, you will, you should have conversation with, with everybody around you, stranger or not. And I think that that helps with uh, bonding and, and making friends. Uh, so I think that's the natural way of why I'm getting uh, uh, a lot of, friends all around the world maybe because it goes on because the next piece of this is that but, you have literally lost count of the number of people that have come and stayed with you i remember so, when i came when i came and stayed with you in your farm you said you know i honestly can't remember how many people have stayed here now exactly so that's what i wanted actually to mention now to connect on the previous story so my family came back uh, to that village, the, that war zone that happened uh, now, it's almost 30 years ago. Actually, it is 30 years ago. Oh, pl time flies. So my family came back there recently, a few years ago, like uh, eight, nine, nine years ago. Uh, and they rebuilt it piece by piece again, brick by brick, the house and the land and the farm. And as you mentioned, you've been there, so you, so you know. And uh, that's half uh, zombie village almost like there's a couple of families live there everything else is still destroyed but i'm super happy and super glad that they came back uh, i also kind of was my guilt was that they did that because i was pushing them to do it uh, in terms that they spend their whole life building that place and i felt that also they will be more happy if they rebuild that old lifestyle uh, instead of creating a new one in the completely area that they are not happy with. So, yes, they rebuilt it home and uh, my family luckily helped me a lot with uh, hosting a lot of people. Uh, you're one of, of those who experienced that farming life and that's that's probably my uh, also good trick because I like to host people there. I like to prepare food. I like to make you coffee. I will show you that area because I'm really bond with that place i like that nature i like uh, what city of zadar have to 
to give to Paku community, to Paku people. And uh, I had there, I stopped counting, but uh, for sure more than 200 or maybe 300 people so far uh, visiting or sleeping or just being there for a one day of training or for, for example, months and uh, a week. Uh, Ross, he stayed for, he came to, to visit me for a few days and then he's, he stayed for one month and something because he just liked it. Yeah, he did that with me as well. I think that might just be Ross. Ah, okay. <laughs> but I'm not that good in posting, maybe. <laughs> Bye, Ross, if you're watching this. If um, so how does, the, I think the interesting thing about all of that comes around to this idea of community because um, you clearly think very strongly about community and you think about your community as being from across the world. Um, what does community mean to you? How do you think about it? I don't know. I mean, it's a hard question because uh, when I make that step and created that bond 2005, getting into the world of movement, ADD, world of small parkour, however you want to call it, uh, you kind of stepped in the, in the new family, in the new community. I mean, I found myself connected because since I lost a lot of and I never find myself connected with the place where I was growing up in the north of Serbia and I'd never have friends from football or basketball or some other you know and then when I found the small piece of that family uh, Parko family ADD family in Serbia then that the family just start you know, expanding, and there is a Croatia, and then Italy, and then Denmark, and and this, and this, and then, and then, once you stepped inside of that circle of that community, uh, it just naturally also grows as a tree, you know. And you, of course, the tree have more leaves, and you have more friends around, and you you're somehow, if you are part of the training and you are in the community and you, and you want to be uh, connected, it's just enough for you to be inside of the community, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Uh, is there was another question inside of this question? Um, yeah, because it's, I guess what I'm trying to get to and get you to talk about is the fact that community is such a fundamental part of Scotch Sticks and the work you do as a brand. And so how I wanted to lead into that is I wanted to talk about why you view it through this lens. And I think that so much of your story tells me why you view it through this lens. We like to you, you've not had a home. And so your home was online. And so it doesn't have a place where it rests. And so when you started Scotchy, like I remember in the early days, you were just desperate to get people talking about and joining in. And you call it the Scotchy family. You you say, oh no, you're, you, you tell me you're an important part of Scotchy, even though I live in a completely different place. I kind of would love to hear why you think that way. Why I think is that way. Yeah, why do you think? Because it's not the normal way to think. Like most people go, okay, my business is made up of my people who are around me and they're made up of the people who I grew up with and this is my family and everyone from further away is an other. I don't know, maybe because I don't, I don't know other way. It's, it's, I mean, it's, this is how I kind of created the community no it's not that me i'm creating the community it's just how i felt to be part of the community i think it's it's completely unique uh i i guess if i train some other sports as you mentioned uh probably as you mentioned before the other sports don't have that power as the 
this discipline had. And I think that's one of the beauties that you can expand with this discipline in many directions. You can, you can grow so much inside of this community that if you dedicate your time in the surgeon project or like a rail marathon that you're doing, uh, that we did at the moment, if somebody don't know, it's something that you, this community grows, but all these small projects inside of the community grows together with the community. Uh, maybe this is not straight the answer to your question, but uh, uh, community is something that cannot detach from a single person. I mean, it's very important to train alone and to train as an individual, but you always have that need to share with people around you, as I mentioned in the beginning, like as Serbian server creation community, if you want to train, you need a friend to share with at some point. So uh, community started there with two, two person and then just expanded and expanded and expanded and expanded. It's always kind of connected and it's always needed uh, feedback from everybody inside of it. So is that, so one of the more interesting things that I think about parkour as a discipline is that for something that is so individual and about what you can do when it is expressed, just as you're saying, it is so much about community, like um, solo training kind of feels a different way and then community training feels a different way. Um, why do you think that it's like that? Because it should, like on the surface, you challenge yourself to complete, to, you know, problems in the world that's what we do yeah, yeah. Doesn't, doesn't matter what you call it it doesn't matter exactly you challenge yourself to complete some project um that shouldn't need community so why do you think it is so important because people can live better life as i think i i think i also said that through my history like if there is yeah. no this discipline i will never be to a lot of places on earth i will never meet so much wonderful people. I will not have this conversation. I will, uh, I mean, so many things. It's, uh, it grows so fast and so, so wide that the community leads literally, it's part of my life since I'm training this for 15 years and I'm 30, something old, something important. So it's half of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and in this 15 years, a lot of things happened, you know, it's, uh, in, in, it's just the, as a project, as a art of retreat. It's something that I see as a very important and fundamental in the in the community because it needs to shape to shape the the, the this discipline a little bit more. Maybe I think that it's important to have that project exactly because still, if even we practice this for so many years, we always have. Uh, a lot of questions, is this a park? Is this this parkour? Is this uh, gymnastics? Is this this? Is this this? We always doing something. We always work on this community, on this project inside for outside of the circle. So if, if, the, if the community is this, we are inside and we always try to build these walls and to shape it, to make it look like this or like this, or we always constantly want to reshape it and make it better, make it more, maybe more beautiful and so on and so on. So why do you do that through clothes? Because that's your like, yes, is your main method of I mean, affecting that, that, this global community. That's also that's a very good question because, uh, so businesses in parkour, it's a it's a big question. It's a it's a big thing, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So Scotchy, 
never has a business aspiration. So, so that's funny thing because now we are a brand. But uh, when we create, uh, when uh, when it was created at the, the Scotchy, it was just a group of people training, and it, that happened ten years ago, so 2011. And I never even thought of making clothes. It's uh, it, it's funny, but it turned out that we, uh, I just need didn't find maybe the best suitable things that I wanted to wear at the time for my training. So we made, we made, we made some stuff and uh, something that you're going to be feel more comfortable in doing this uh, crazy new discipline that created. And that's how it started growing. Actually, we had a bunch of people training and they wanted that close clothes. And then we just created something that people needed. We didn't, go and say okay uh you do, you don't uh give me a second <laughs> i need to pull words together uh so i never wanted to say okay i want to have a clothing brand uh you start with idea that you can make something that people need if, if people are looking for something that they need and it's okay okay I already did that. I can make more of that, and I think I can help. Then I I I'm gonna do it. So I don't see Scotchy as a business. It's it's more. It doesn't. Like, it's interesting. If I can just pause you for a second, because yeah. as someone who deals with Scotchy sticks, as someone who works with Scotchy sticks, it doesn't feel like a business. It feels like uh, someone solving a problem for you. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, like, yeah, and um. You've obviously been dealing with uh, Kirsten a lot more than me recently, but it's like people want to brand themselves. And it's like, as a as someone who's also interested in ethics with regard to business, like we weren't interested in becoming a clothing company, but people wanted to wear the Access logo. Yeah. And so what happened was like, I didn't want to sell them crap. And so we worked with you and it didn't feel like, it didn't feel like, you know, working with the business who was selling us something, you were like, well, what do you want? I'll give it to you. What do you need? And I'll give it to you. And there's this lovely story, um, which you can probably tell better than me because I got a second hand of you running through a market from shop to shop, taking photos of different fabric so that we could find the perfect green for a t-shirt. Yes. What happened with that story? I mean, exactly. So this, this is the thing. I will, I will jump to that straight away. So I still don't see Scotchy as a business. I mean, it's funny. It's 10 years past that we are making clothes. But I, uh, I see as a way to give people equipment to, you know, to do better version of themselves. I think it's just a small thing. And to inspire them to move. I want to, because Scotchy was always more than a clothing brand. It was uh, always something extra. There was a Scotchy gem. There was a motion tour. There is a... A lot of these small projects that maybe people don't know about, but we are always doing something more, doing blogs, interviews, stuff. We don't want to just make clothes. So I, I, I don't. It's funny thing that I will say because if I say this, I will. Not, it, it doesn't look like I'm not selling clothes, but I think the clothes was never as much important for me. I don't think you should waste too much time, you know, to to pick your new clothes. Uh, it's you just need to go and train <laughs> and. Uh, but you need to wear something while training. Yeah, of course. So the, the thing is that you need something that revivals. You just, just grab something and you know that will that will go 
and that will work for your training and it's not going to fall apart in, in uh, one week, you know. So I think that's what Scorchy is. Scorchy is there to, when you think motion, you think Scorchy because that's it, that's, it's connected, you know. So story about uh, making shots for uh, Access Parkour, it's, uh, we were in touch, emailing, uh, sending uh, colors, ideas, and I was like, okay, we don't have that in stock, the color that you're looking for. So I sit in the car, I drove to the, the company where we are getting materials, supplies. So I went there and said, okay, I need, show me what you got. They, they show me like 12 colors. So I take a picture of all these 12 colors I send you over um, Facebook. And then this is like, uh, maybe not this. Do you have a, a darker or, or lighter or this and this? Or like, no, this is all they got. And then I say, okay, I know another place. So you, there was like two or three favorites from there, but it's okay, give me an hour. I'm gonna drive to opposite part of the Belgrade. It's like a lot of traffic and everything. So I think I've been driving one hour something to go to the second uh, place. So I, I I'd like to, I, I'm just going to take no responsibility for this. This was not me. I mean, I like to drive anyway. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a challenge for me. So from A to B in a car, uh, in a 3 million, uh, city, the city of 3 million people, it's a lot of traffic, a lot of things. It's a lot of obstacles to get, to get there on time and try to, to find that color that you need uh, or you think you need. So the funny thing is I go there, I, I take a picture of maybe three or five more uh, materials, colors, and then we had discussion, blah, blah, blah. And then on the end, it was the, from the first place. So I go there and, and pick it up <laughs> and pick it up and bring it to. So, but that's also, I've, that's why we, uh, we are what we are. We are homemade uh, branded making uh, things at home, literally, and then, I can go and find what are your needs and uh, I'm happy to do it because it's what makes me uh, to do it, to feel, uh, it, it makes me feel nice because I, I know that I look at that as just as a part of my training and it's, uh, it's a challenge, it's obstacles. Okay, let's get over it and then let's, let's, let's find the solution. Cool, I've got, um, so Jesse Danger says hi, he's watching our feed right now and he's been asking some interesting questions. Oh, so I just no. thought I'd, uh, take a moment to bring this one to you because um he's asked what the hardest thing about starting scotchy was for you and if you started over you what would you change and do about it differently so if i, I the, the thing is about the scotchy and starting the scotchy since i don't know where is literally beginning and uh, but the first time when i made uh five uh, hoodies for my friends because idea before the brand, before the, everything, that was the probably the hardest part, but also the most fun part is to create that product that you never did before. So when I draw on the piece of paper, chipsticks want to be on the back on the hoodie, it's like, okay, how we do this? And uh, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she was uh, involved in the design and fashion. So we both together to connect two different worlds. Uh, worlds. So she, her experience from the designing and uh, sewing and my from, uh, from the parkour because I, don't, I know what I need and I want a big pocket. I want to put a two liter water bottle inside so I can go and train for five, six hours and have two liters because in Serbia, you don't find water everywhere like in America. So you bring your water, you go 
for four or five hours train and then that's enough in for, scotland you just have to like lean back you know late for, great for rain <laughs> so yeah the probably the hardest thing was how to make this uh five uh five hoodies so the five or six maybe six anyway uh my car broke uh i uh, i was to invest 250 euros into making this six uh hoodies and then my car broke and i got uh, 200 euros damage so i didn't have money for for uh, these hoodies and then uh, i borrowed uh 250 euros and i said okay let's make these hoodies for my friends so we made we made them uh and uh, then i gave them for free because they were my friends and we wanted to just to have something to wear something different but that we know that we feel i don't know special or just right about what we are wearing and that's the start that's the beginning and that's maybe at that time the hardest i mean a lot of obstacles arrived after with a lot of different things with every new product it's a new challenge it's a new material it's a new chase that you're going to discover where you can find this material who's going to sew it how you're going to sew it and all other things i mean it's always probably the first things at the hardest like how to connect everything on internet how to sell on the internet uh, a lot of logistics that I'm not familiar with at the time. Everything what I knew is how to jump over the walls, and that's it. So how to put that into the something that works online and have a code and uh, how people can pay on, online, and that was the help. So I, all that was super hard and super, uh, and still it's still hard. So uh, always we get that kind of uh, different obstacles. I don't want to blame this country where I am, but we have terrible uh low and terrible fees and everything so it's just we don't have even law about uh electronic uh, shopping so it's just mess with our own country and bureaucratic system to overpass i think it's going to be similar with americans training outdoors and holding trainings like how much should they need to deal with when they are organizing stuff yeah makes me feel lucky yeah yeah you're in the middle more the balance <laughs> um, I probably had something to say there, but I forgot. So we're going to move on to the next question. Um, I like the way you think about parkour and arts de placement, and I like talking to you about it because I think you've got all the right ideas. Um, which means that I kind of see you sometimes as a bit of a the angel on my shoulder. Uh, being the person who kind of sits there and gives me the like keeps my conscience correct and stops me from becoming a stupid capitalist or a crazy socialist. Um, so with that in mind, um, I'd love to know what you would like to happen in the world of parkour and how you see things growing and moving forward from here. That's a hard question, Hedge. There it is. <laughs> uh... I don't know. I mean, it's it's never goes as you as you expected. Uh, I think so. My best answer gonna be it's not what I think is gonna be the best, but from my experience, the best what could happen so far and the best that probably can happen in the future is that something that I learned through my uh, history of training and also by training with uh, Yamakasis, it's never stop training. Everything else. Would, come with the training. I think the 
training, 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 and then more training, and then a little bit more training, more, more training, and more training is something that opens everything because then you don't think so much about what's going to happen, but you're going to react when it happens and you're going to deal with it because. I literally never planned anything in my life. I'm, I'm planning everything. I you plan. are terrible at planning. Exactly. Everything I plan falls apart. So I just decided like 10 years ago, I'm just follow the lead that wind blows me. And then I will like try to handle the stuff that happens. So I don't have any good answers. What's the best for the ADD or parkour? I have some ideas, but maybe that's only me and that can be wrong. But I think the training, uh, when I say training, it's also individual training, alone training. So when you train alone, I think it's the, probably the most important thing that you can do. Everything, everybody needs to go through that. If you went through that 10 years ago, go again. I think then you will discover completely new things. Uh, you will find about yourself more, even if you already trained 15 years. If you go and train again alone, you will maybe find new reason why you're doing it, uh, what you want to change and so on and so on. I think that Training and training and training and training will just give you more answers and more more guides in the future. It's a really, it's a really beautifully simple idea because what it does two things. Uh, one thing it does is um, it it gives you a lens that you then see the world through, and that lens is not about. So there's there are there is a template there's a model that people use to describe um the way people approach things and one is a learning mindset and one is a performance mindset so when you are in um the learning mindset or for you it's the training mindset that's what that is it's this willingness to try and willingness to fail um and people who are often in the learning mindset are always progressing and changing and developing and then people who are in the performance mindset is that person you meet who like doesn't want to try and do a thing if they won't do it well because they are trying to win or they are trying to gain social capital or they are trying to prove how good they are so they put themselves on show only when they're really really good exactly. and the performance mindset doesn't lead to the same improvements it leads to the loss of motivation it leads to people not trying in case they fail because failing is a lot worse than winning whereas when you're training you're in the learning mindset that's not true at all so that's definitely one aspect of that that you really hit home on exactly and i think what's go for it okay i'll be short i think that exactly you're right because for example when i uh, start everything in my life it's exactly that method i always try to do something i'm gonna fail and i will learn it's thing that for example when i, I train for maybe few years and then people approach me to teach them and i say i cannot teach you because you know i i don't know i just can show you what i know and then maybe i correct you so i didn't have that idea that i become somebody who will teach people to jump over the walls i never had that idea as well as uh, i didn't have idea for making a brand so uh, i had my session i was busy with work because i was uh, doing some uh, regular basic work eight hours a day and then i go train and i have a couple hours for myself every day to train and people come, 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 uh, come to me, they, they want it, they need help. So I just say, okay, I'm going to help you every Sunday. I will not going to train on Sunday. I will just help you on Sunday. And I'm going to train the rest of the week because I want to train. And then that kind of system is already created. That means that that Sunday is kind of class. Even, even if I didn't thought that going to be a class or then I will 
teach or whatever. But with the time, it's uh, developed into the class and it became actually the first class in uh, Novi Sad at the time where I was living. And we started actually a first school after a couple of, year, uh, couple of years. So exactly, I, if I had the idea to make a plan and uh, idea to make a school and teach people parkour, probably they're gonna be terrible because it's just there are a lot of things that you need to consider about how to organize, where to run the class, what knowledge do I need, Lola? So, but like this, I had a year or two uh, learning about how to help people, how, where to stand, to spot, how to, what to say to uh, to be precise so they can uh, do their stuff straight away with no losing time, and so on and so on. In this period, I learned so much that I said, okay, I now can help somebody much shorter uh, period than I needed before. So with this time learning and failing, you actually put yourself on to work on everything and you just follow and that brings you to a completely new direction. And then- Unsurprisingly, you completely spoke to my next point there uh, because what I was gonna say next was that um, you see it all the time and people have been doing purple practice for a long time, which is they begin the, the their definition of training keeps expanding until it fills up everything. So they begin, so parkour coaches are people who turn their parkour vision to coaching and parkour businessmen are people who turn parkour to, parkour to business and the people who, uh, whatever you find, they people who've been in, in the world for a long time, they seem to have turned their focus to something and they become brilliant at it. And it's really cool to sit down and talk to people because the story is sometimes so familiar because they talk about the training as being this thing and they talk about like the definition of what training is falling away and then them just applying it to everything in their lives. And it's really, it just keeps happening. I love that story. Maybe it's because it's my story too. It's definitely Laurent's story. <laughs> I mean, I just want to mention Laurent because uh, just a few days ago, uh, we had an online training with his group. Uh, Nothing will stop Laurent. I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's 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 beautiful. You know, it, it never stop training. Like uh, even in this period of time, he gathers people around uh, on the Zoom app, and they people from home do their conditionings and stuff and push-ups, and it's amazing to see and amazing to participate. I mean, of course, it's never going to be like I said in the beginning of the interview. It's not never going to be like one-on-one when you like per, uh, in person with somebody physically and doing and sharing the sweat and everything, but. It still wakes up the memories, like you see uh, 11 felt 20 screens around and everybody doing push-ups and, and one-on-one and stuff like that. It's, it's amazing. So sure. training, of course. The answer is the training. Always the training. Uh, there's been some more, there's been, uh, some more comments here. Um, Chris Grant has said, get a haircut. I assume that's to me. Sorry, Chris. Um, I can't get it any shorter. Um, and then Alan would like to know if you're preparing for the return of the return of Tarzan, which I know you have some comments on. I mean, it's a secret project. They called me from Hollywood. I will. I need to think about uh, how I'm going to do it. I mean, no, it's. Uh, uh, I would like to do definitely. It's something that uh, it's connected again uh, with with my life. Uh, Tarzan is uh, wild and lives. Uh, uh, kind of his home is ev everything as well like as mine and uh, it's more connections I will not go deeply in that but yeah I would like to do more I will, hopefully I will do more 
Uh, it's just uh, love to be barefoot and naked in the forest. That's amazing feeling. And uh, naked and in the forest. <laughs> Not completely naked. Come on, only in the. River. I mean, we 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 ha we have done that in in Jura. Yeah, it's know, a wonderful day. You felt that. Yeah. Um. So if I can finish off um with uh, a big question for you, Papa I, Sasha. Uh, yes. Yes. Um. Which is um. If you could make one change to the global parkour community right now, if you could if you could change something that would make us better, that would really take us in a better direction, it would really benefit everyone, what would it be? It's something they already said, but I will now repeat with a little bit more uh, preciseness. I will try to be more clear. So, it's just one thing. Just that one more. Yeah, exactly. You already answered. <laughs> so, it, just train. Train alone, train hard, be a good uh, competing, competing to yourself, be good companion to yourself, like uh, uh, be uh, easy to train with with friends as easy to train with your with you yourself again. So uh, it's I don't think it's every anything else that needed to be part of this. But one thing is for sure. So uh, not everything is R2D plus ma, but everything can become R2D plus ma. If you put a lot of work into it, then it can become art. So one jump, it's a it's a just one jump. If you do a million of these jumps, then if you train enough, okay, long enough, then you can make art of it, of course. So I think that uh, I just actually wanted to add that RDD plus more is amazing and powerful, but it will it's not everything ADD. It's not everything parkour, but it can become if you practice long enough, if you train. I like that. All right, we're gonna, that's us hit an hour. Um, I know you could continue talking about this, these things forever, but we're gonna just sort of try and wrap up there. Didn't even get you more drunk on your wine. I'm sorry, yeah, Sasha. It's As always, always. It's same glass, I, I promise. It's, I had a fish for lunch and this is what is left. Uh, it was only here. So you, you kept me talking so much that I didn't even finish one glass of wine. Well, it's better than getting me talking nonstop, isn't it? Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for being part of my interview. It was really interesting. I love your story and I wish more people knew your story because I think it's so important and I love the way you think about parkour. Um, I, yeah, I want to thank you for calling me uh, for this interview. I apologize everything, uh, everyone for my... Uh, it's hard to listen to me, I know, because of the accent. It's uh, not even the Russian. It's, not the, it's nothing. It's, it's strange. It's hard. To listen to me but thank you for being there if there you is should have heard <laughs> you should have heard us yesterday me and chris started getting more and more scottish and we had to keep reminding ourselves yeah so thank you for calling and yeah i'm happy that the uh, art of retreat is coming to croatia next year i'm uh, really happy to be part <laughs> dude if you can if you want to do some arrangement you can just give me a call <laughs> Uh, always a pleasure, Sasha. Thank you so much. And I will Thank see you, you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.